Welcome to Hardcore Honeys, where we take our full court NBA hottest takes. And we got featuring Jade and Penny with your moderator, TJ, who will just try to keep control with these two while we go with our takes. So let's hear this. My very big, first big hosting gig as a ESPN employee uh, was the 1998 NBA All-Star Game. Madison Square Garden. I'm the brand new full-time host of NBA tonight. That's how I used to say it. <laughs> and finest highlight show in your lifetime. I, I guarantee. Go buy some old clips of my porn stash, my Cuban curly <laughs> hair that I bought from WSBN, okay? So my little, I got my high top fade from Ohio. They right. got the Cubano curl in it. <laughs> and I took it to Connecticut and I rocked that sucker for seven years. But I'm sure you did. Yes, ma'am. So that first gig, I'm so fired up. Had one of my t- my little tailored suits on. Had a a, a banded collar, right? Because it was the mm-hmm. ESPN number two with a small cap, little I mean, small little oh. yeah, yeah, squiggly, yeah. like it was graffiti days. Oh my god! Yeah, I wore a lot of chambray shirts, a lot of branded collars and vests. It was ridiculous. Anyway. KG couldn't have been more wonderful. Year two, right? Probably mm-hmm. season two or three. Yep. Uh, he was an all-star, one of his, what, 5,000 all-star appearances. <laughs> yep. And then something happened. I don't know what happened over the years. And he came off funky, right? Because he just was just upset all the time. And I thought that was just his drive, his grind. I thought that's just right. how he played it. He had to cuss all the time. And he had to scowl, right? Oh, yeah. And the, and and then, the yell. The big three uh, Celtics uh, put us out at least, yeah. coach, what, at least twice, right? Yeah. Back to back years. Put, and by the way, you got to thank them because that's what created the big three for us. Nobody could get through, Nobody could get through. Toronto, Cleveland, or, um, or Miami. Oh, don't through, get to, to Toronto. So, with all that being said, I get into this ignorant, baseless, useless <laughs> argument. Uh, of of Kevin Garnett be, not being, well, at least having a debate that he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, oh, Jason. <laughs> I, 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 you guys put this with video? You guys did this? So here I am, a respected member of NBA media. I have been covering the NBA yeah. since 1997. Yeah. I sounded like a bleeping idiot. <laughs> I was really just debating debate, and I got called. My partner, Amin El Hassan, over on NBA radio, got indignant. So your face, okay, Taylor, he put into words and, and made me so mad that I, man, I was talking about quitting the show live. <laughs> You're not going to tell me I can't debate different, you know. And so then I, had, I didn't look at anything, right? So I'm just dealing with my sensibility of why does KG have to be so upset and so difficult and like an interview is always cussing on the microphone. Can't right. use thing. Like, so just my purposes. You over- see, you saw a different side of Garnett that I never got. No, to you, you were so just you got- lost in the sauce. You just loved everything he was doing. <laughs> you uh, know, you <laughs> like basketball. Yeah. And he's screaming about your owner now. Now he's all over your boy. Well, okay. In his defense there, Glenn Taylor is a piece of garbage. Glenn Taylor is garbage. <laughs> the honorable Glenn Taylor. You, you honorable- sit there. <laughs> And speak of one of my 30 owners that way. Uh, unless it's Jim Dole. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Okay. Yeah. So, by the out. way, guys, 
Hardcore Honeys, welcome, Jade, Penny, okay. and we got an awesome guest today, uh, Jason Jackson, who is uh, the voice, the sideline reporter of the Miami Heat. Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. It is greatly appreciated. Um, the only team that matters. Oh, here we go. Right, Jason? Okay, Jade, you can't talk because that's everything Toronto with you. She can't, Jade, I, I don't know if you know this, Jade can't stop talking about Toronto. Everything about the Raptors is what the league always needs to do. So, well, the good I, thing is, is that she does have us. You're ahead, a Timberwolves fan and you can't stop talking about them. I'll that's take talking about the Raptors. Because all the time. someone has to. <laughs> Jade, have you got your two thousand in government money yet? You got that? Because that's I, I I have I haven't been working too much because I have fibromyalgia, uh -huh. so I did not qualify. But what? my my roommate is um, works in essential services, so we're good. Be good. Ooh, Stand yeah. on guard for thee, baby. <laughs> Damn straight. Best <laughs> anthem on the planet. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> Tell them, Jay. <laughs> they even changed it, right? They even changed yeah. the Canadian National Anthem to reflect kind of just kind of androgynous sexual dynamics, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and instead of saying, yeah, because it used to say, um, I don't really do anthems, so I, I'd have to go through the whole well, thing. Well, I'll sing the whole thing. You want me? I'll do it right here. <laughs> you can burn it for us. Oh, Canada. There you go. Did I just go jump? math on you all our hope and native land i'm trying to figure out where it is true page all our sons command all our that's sons command. that's right they all of our command. all of us all of us i thought it was power but i'll take it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh canada <laughs> you were on key you were on key that's the important part because i got yep. still oh, listen to that over fergie Oh, oh no, he didn't. Oh, got on Fergie. Uh, was that last year? Was that last yeah, year at All-Star? And, and then Chaka Khan this year, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. everybody hates art. Everybody hates art now, okay? Just because you're a little the, sharp and a little flat. like it's so Chaka nice. was just having a bad night. No. That's, that's that funny. wasn't bad. But here's the thing. Live in arena, it's never it's as hard. bad. It's yeah. never as bad. I remember looking at my phone. People are killing Fergie. I'm like, that really, I was a little jazzy. Like, what was the problem? I and didn't help the faces of players. I was players. one of those few people. I wasn't, I saw it on TV. Uh -huh. And I didn't hate Fergie. I just thought it was different and jazzy. It wasn't the worst anthem I've ever heard by a long shot. She and Shaka, all Shaka tried to do was blow the roof off the United Center. Yeah, right? next she always does. Well, well, I just wouldn't try to do that if you had her voice, right? Yep, yep. Exactly. <laughs> Anywho, I am totally, I apologize, Taylor. No, I'm, you're good, you're good. Oh, I'm supposed to run, the, told, no, you supposed can, to run yeah. the show, man. <laughs> oh no, man! I'm just I'm just here to control everything because they always like to go off on stuff. I'm just here to be to make sure they're not. Oh, then I'm a problem. I'm gonna, he tries. I'm a, he tries. Or, I try at least. <laughs> um, thank you for having me, guys. Let me first oh, say. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. The beautiful thing that's happening through all of this agony and separation and pain and death and destruction and trying to find a way in, in a space that none of us have any experience is, uh, is these, are, are these connections, you know, to be able right. to reach out and exist in a way that either time wouldn't allow uh, uh, or circumstance wouldn't allow, distance wouldn't allow. All right. of us are learning uh, these platforms so we can stay connected and at least uh, 
try to fill the void, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Exactly. Which actually kind of make, gives a segue for my for just a quick little some questions for you. Um, because of just being stuck inside, how have you been keeping up with the team? Because I know a lot of times you're with the team constantly, uh-huh. getting inside info. How are you able to do that when Jimmy Butler is 10 miles away from you? Yeah, uh, if, it might as well be 10,000. Uh, it, it's, it's, been, it's been difficult. Uh, I, so I approach this job differently than most, and I approach it differently than when I did uh, 16 years ago. When I first showed up as the television host and courtside reporter for the Miami Heat in 2004, I was the same age as the older players. I was wow. in my, I was in my mid. No, I was young. I was 32. Yeah, so I wasn't quite. I was still in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Shaq and Zoe and Shaquille, uh, Christian Leitner. Mm-hmm. Did I say Shaq and Shaquille like an idiot? Yes, you did. Uh, my bad. Uh, and so there were two different people. Um, and so. <laughs> The, the elder statesman of the team, I'm like, oh, these are all somewhere from 69 to 73, right? And then a decade pass, right? And now I'm the same age as their dirty uncles, right? <laughs> and then another half decade pass, and Tyler Hero is younger than my oldest child. Wow. I mean, it, it's, wow. it's by months. It's by months. But, but regardless, the, the, still. The fact, like when Justice Winslow... Got uh, drafted. Oh, I miss Winslow. You like that taco meat? You like that hairy chest? Okay. Oh, I, see really? <laughs> I, see, I see how it is. I get it. I missed him too. Yeah. Um, but but Coach, when I when he was drafted, that's when it hit me. I was like, he's three years older than Justin, who is my oldest son, who's now a junior in college. Wow. And so my transition in that space has differed in the way that I associate with them. Whereas when I first showed up and I got a little holler to come out to the club, boom, I'm there. And then for the next decade, it was like, oh, I need to get out of here. I, I, am, I am too old for this. <laughs> I, need, uh, I need to button up two more buttons on my shirt and go oh sit in the right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then most recently, I don't even bother. I don't want their phone numbers. I, I barely want to follow them on social media. And I'll just see them at work. Right. I'm I, basically your daddy and I would like that type of respect. OK, um, but we are co-workers. And so that it, there's a different connection, but with practices and shoot around and pregame and games and post games and buses and planes mm-hmm. and events, you know, like it's just it's enough over nine <laughs> months. We, we see each other a great deal. Um, and then if you make the playoffs, it's even more so. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I'll we'll bump into you at summer league out in Vegas, right? And then we're back at training camp. Right. So, all that being said, our real connection has been in content generation. And so I've seen guys on IG Live or on Zoom uh, more than any place else. And that's not to say I don't have friendly connections with some of our players uh, that are actual interpersonal friendly, not just work. Hey, yep. my guy, here's this microphone deal. Uh, and a lot of our executives with the Miami Heat, as Coach will tell you, are former Miami Heat players. Uh, it's just how we get out. Um, the culture is real. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you maintain that connection. I know the guys in talking to Coach Spolstra uh, last week, or maybe about two weeks ago, everything's just blending together yeah, now. You, yep. We don't know the days anymore. Yeah, everything's like uh, Taylor's background. It's a little blurry. 
so I made sure it was blurry. No one. I'm, I'm no, I know you got you got special trinkets back there. You don't want nobody to see. I get it? I see that. I see that CVS bag back there. You be careful. Watch out. Well, I mean, it's not CVS. My God, So that's my defense with that. It's not CVS. Okay. My man. There's a difference. Listen, I understand. Oh but I know what aisle all that's in, too. Be careful. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is we've been able to maintain uh, virtual connection very much in this very similar way, providing some content and connection for our fan base. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is, okay, and then you already – my next question was just how you change your process during all of it, but you already – you're alley-ooped it to yourself with that one. Um <laughs> But so just the main topic that we're going to hit on today, and since, uh, Jason, you've been in the uh, business for so long, of just the change of everything that is the NBA that we know it, from the play style to even the fashion trends with it, since that we see that they're forefront of that, and then to even the social issues where we're having players state their minds to the media on not just so much what's going on on the court, but what's also going off the court even more often now. So just a little bit of things we're looking at. Um, so we'll just start with the playing style. Just what has been some giant changes that you've seen over the years, Jason? A total disregard for the mid-range jump shot. <laughs> like that oh, has yeah. been the biggest thing that I don't hate, right? But I just recognize... Like it was cool to have like a little mid-range game. It was like it was. like like if stuff was whack in the paint, and, and you know everybody had you know like they call it five feet right. At least mm -hmm. everybody has one foot in the paint defensively back before the uh, the defensive three second rules. Uh, it was it was tough sledding. So while the three point shot throughout my childhood came in in eighty right. So I was I was eight years old, uh, basically until. Let's be real, like right. I mean, it was a weapon, but it was like a game-altering weapon, and only so many dudes had it, yeah. right? right? And so, like, I was—I'm doing these remembering the classics for NBA radio, and when I go back and look at some of these box scores from the mid to early '90s, when each team attempted eight threes, I'm like, "What? That's like a dude. That's like one guy. What do you yeah. mean?" <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, James Harden and a half. Right, exactly. NBA Finals, like bad boys against the Lakers. Like, it was like they each team went three for eight in one of the big games. I'm like, man, this is such a different deal. Uh, but now, uh, with the math that's involved, I um, mean, it's not complicated math, right? Three more than two. We can all do that right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but the efficiency that you have to have in your mid-range game versus at the rim and at three are so different. That you can't argue the math. It might not be aesthetically pleasing to any of us. Uh, I've learned to enjoy it uh, when the ball is moving. Like, I love, and, it, and this isn't fair. Like, let's be honest, Steph dribbles a lot, right? But there's something about him that's so likable. It doesn't seem like he does. It, it just, I feel like that the is, ball's yep. just moving. Whereas, that's so true. Like Steph Harden, dribbling a whole bunch is very different for me than James Harden dribbling right, a whole bunch. Why? Because I don't think Steph <laughs> is trying to trick us. Yeah, I, I just, there's like a trickery, a trickeration <laughs> for, for, from what Harden's trying to do. Like he once found out working out in this, you know, it's one of those biotech joints out in Santa Barbara, California. You know what he wanted to find out? If he was the fastest stopper. Wow, that's Don't crazy. marinate over me for a second. <laughs> I want to know, and can I get faster at stopping? Well, how is that 
helpful in a game that has so much movement yes. because he loves when that defender gets stuck on his hip, mm-hmm. right? They've actually tried to legislate this out. Wow. And feel it and feel it and feel it. Stop. Bam. Off you go. Uh, now, Goran. Then he trebles. He trebles. That right. is yeah. what my parents hate so yeah. much. Yeah. My parents never really watched basketball until I started to. And then my dad will go on some old man rant of being like, well, that shouldn't be allowed like it used to. And I was like, Dad, how do you know? You didn't start watching basketball until 2002. <laughs> he went, he dove in. He's checking out isolated numbers. I always kind of feel like James Harden is trying to reinvent the wheel in ways that are useful to no one. To like, him. When to I him. think about Steph Curry, the way Steph Curry changed the game, it's affecting the entire game. It's affecting the way kids learn how to play basketball. For Harden, it's... Once he's gone, what all those things he did, they're gone. No one else is going to do them. Well, and the thing is, is that, it, it, like you said, it's uniquely uh, catered to his own game, which I give him credit for, right? I mean, there's right. He, he is a scoring champion. He is an MVP. That stuff doesn't just show up on your front door because um, you at you you want it, right? So he's he's worked on it. Complain day. enough saying you should have won the year before. You might get slugged. Nah, that ain't moving nobody. I promise you right now. That ain't, that ain't <laughs> That, that helps in the other direction. Um, so I give him credit for um, emerging from that third wheel status in OKC, getting his opportunity and making it his opportunity. And yeah. honestly, I got to give them credit, him and Westbrook, two guys who do not get um, a lot of credit for being giving teammates, uh, for making it work better than I thought it was going to. And, yeah. Yeah. and when they were all asked to play more defense on, on top of it. Um, they got rid of their defensive coach and then had better defensive numbers. I don't know how that worked, but it was, it it is really neat to see someone who tells us all to go bleep ourselves and that he's going to play the way that he's going to play and average 30. So, I mean, and the league is constantly trying to legislate to keep things from being uniquely his, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then he just comes up with something else. Yeah. But he's not going to win a championship like that. That's oh, no, what I was going to say. Do you think yeah. he ever wins a ring? He's not, not going to win a ring. Listen, people can win rings, and the times in which they win rings might just be totally different. Uh, somebody wearing a 21 jersey could probably speak to that for us here. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> Derek Fisher, point four shot, did not count. We would have won the finals that year. We were 3-0 and against San Antonio, 3-0 and against Detroit that year. Give, we give would have had one banner off. hanging up. In the targets yeah. and the Raptors. Yeah, your boy got the MVP that year. That's all you get. Like, that is <laughs> our last year of like, ooh, this is great. Yeah, we and, love. And I saw a picture from 2015 and no, 14. And our starting lineup was Andre Karolinko, Luke Ridnour, Nikola Pekovic, Kevin Love, <sighs> and then this guy Alexi Sped. Nice. <laughs> was hashtag cream team. Yeah. Hashtag. Sped. Man, that was one of the darkest moments. Oh mercy! <laughs> well, the, the light and the, and the light still ain't there. That's the thing. That's the tough part. Yeah, <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not go into this. Let's not. Have, I feel like I'm getting to your soul. That's not necessary. <laughs> and you know, every week, every I have been learning to say whenever I say like, "What team do you follow?" Be like, "I know they're bad." I I start off saying, "I know they're bad." I know, yeah. but that's how I know I'm a true fan. That t- through and t- through. T- yeah, listen, let me tell you. I going to watch them. I got season tickets to them two years ago. Luckily, that was their playoff year. Uh-huh. So I got to watch it. We were 31 and 10 at home. And I think I maybe went to 20 games that year. Ooh. Won every single one Ooh. except one. 
I love it, dog. That's how you do it. Because you know yeah. the game's on Fox. You can sit at home if you wanted to. But I'm glad you don't. Uh, as Sylvia will tell you, I have three glorious championship rings from yeah, this does. NBA franchise that I work for. But I am a Cleveland Browns fan. Oh, God. You're from Ohio. You know, what, you so, know my pain, then. So let me, you, you don't know my pain. So let's, <laughs> let's take it to that. Okay? I mean, even when we were good, I got screwed out of opportunities. Like, it, it's unbelievable the history of being a Cleveland Browns fan. Like, even the Indians World Series opportunity, right? Cavs finally get it all. Ohio State has won national championships in in basketball. Sorry, basketball was way a long time ago in football. And and I, I can't I can't I just it's I don't have words to describe the pain, the degradation, the monotony and the malaise that has now come over me. But every wow. fall that burnt orange and seal brown is on my back, baby. So I get the deal. I get it. I thought the I Dolphins fans had it bad. No. Good. Come on. <laughs> Perfect season. Maybe the greatest quarterback ever. The winningest coach in the history of the National Football League. Come on. You know, that was what? early 90s, and that was, what, 72? It happened. It happened. <laughs> I ain't got none of that. But anyway, Jaden, you were – we all know. i am got you all over the place now. You were – That's I, fine. Harden has an ability to, I think, at some point realize that there's nothing else – Nothing else matters. He's not there yet, but he'll get there. Nothing else matters but the championship. And that for there to be a championship, he is going to have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to have I to change. I feel like he's only got a season to three left to figure that out. Otherwise, it's going to be too late. He plays an old man game, so I, I don't know. He might be That's 70 true. years old out here. <laughs> Still trying. Still trying to win a championship. What? You know, just that. <laughs> and he makes it. <laughs> Oh, it's always going to be a make. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. The man can mm-hmm. shoot the basketball. Yeah. Yep. Why can't we up the dribble? Why can't it be, you know, I mean, can it, can I get a catch and shoot? Can I, I mean, like, it just it, bop, 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 bop. I'm like, I even made the joke once. I said, you know why he's such a great shooter? It's because the ball turns into a volleyball while he's dribbling it. The air gets out of it and his hands are dominating. It's the, it's the least aesthetic Aesthetically pleasing <laughs> basketball I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And I watch old videos of like Bob Cousy dribbling with a hand tied behind his back, right? In circles. And pushing the ball forward. Pushing it forward like it's a, like there's a yo-yo string on it. Like that stuff is like, <laughs> like, you're watching, like you're watching a, a gag reel and then you see this stuff and it just, you know, a, a Rockets fan will come in here and cuss us out. Right? Oh, okay. definitely, definitely. We've oh, got yeah. people in Belly Up who Penny and I get in these debates with because they don't understand the concept that just because he scores lots of points doesn't make him entertaining for us to watch. Mm. They feel like those two things should be mutually exclusive and they cannot understand our point that we're like, yeah, we understand he scores lots of points and give him credit for that, but I am so bored watching Rockets games. Like, they cannot hold my attention. It's tough. It's part of it. I mean, listen, the commissioner stands every year in front of us during our league meetings and, and reminds us, oh, this is entertainment. And part of entertainment is being entertaining. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, like there is a pizzazz and a wow factor that comes into this that can get lost because, no offense, coaches on this particular platform, you all are crazy people. 
Okay. <laughs> and it, yeah. the agony at which you take in losing and the lack of joy you allow yourself when you win just squeezes all of the happiness out of it. I don't get why you all even interest yourselves in this space. Uh, but I do, I do understand challenge and I do understand um, competition and, and getting the joy of getting a collective group uh, to come together and try to find that harmonic space that gets you to um, a championship. So I, I believe that that's available for Harden, but a lot of stuff will have to change. Yeah. Um, as we talk about the giant changes, swing it back up. Um, what are some subtle ones, uh, Jade, that have changed over the years? Just subtle changes that maybe not, are going to get looked o- overlooked by the casual NBA fan or basketball fan, but when you look at the advanced statistics or whatever, looking deep, is something that's really affected it, even if it's not on the big main uh, main picture. That's hard. That's a hard question for me because it feels like all the changes have been pretty big. Um, over time, the analytics thing changed things huge. And it would seem like some of that stuff is small. And I don't know if it's maybe just because I am so into basketball that I have a hard time seeing it from a casual fan's point of view. Um, I think maybe something a casual fan might not be clued in on is how big dribble handoffs are in the game now, how important they are. And the need for them to be better officiated um, the way that they're being done right now. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think it's because you want more illegal screens called or? Yeah. What do you? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, that's the thing that, I've, that pops out to me some nights is that I'm not surprised. Sylvia, and you probably see this as much as I do. I'm not surprised when our guys are called for it. And I'm surprised it's yeah. not called more often because yeah. the dribble handoff does kind of shield that it's a screen at all because you've asked your big for the most part uh, to be a, a ball handler slash facilitator. And mm-hmm. so a point guard wouldn't be called for that if they were you know in space handing the ball off. But there is to a really good dribble handoff a mixture of the pass and a screen that's yeah. occurring in that space and oftentimes mm-hmm. – Feet are all wide. Shoulders are getting swung. Are getting There's hot. leaning That's happening. They're leaning, yeah. Whenever yeah. I think of the moving screen, I just think the king of that of all time was Kevin Garnett. Plant the <laughs> foot and then swing the hip out and then just take out the leg of the other guy. The, I will always admit Garnett was the king, was the OG of the moving screen. <laughs> he would that. go up to the top, set the pick, hip check someone, roll to the free throw line, hit the mid-range. So good. <laughs> if, you can, if you can sneak it in, uh, you get, you're creating space, right? And that's all you want to get for a good yeah. look. Um, the one thing I'll inject into this, Taylor, for that, is I don't know if everybody realizes about two years ago, uh, the officials started officiating offense first for the first time ever. That everything from an officiating standpoint oh. is always defense out. That I'm going to I'm going to work on the defender, make sure that it keeps the game fluid, and and it, and in many ways it's not the purpose of the official, but the purpose of the legislation is that people like to see scoring. Like yeah. let's so yeah. let's keep an eye on this because you know our boy 
Patrick James Riley changed the game in New York, boy. He mucked this sucker up, man. They call it playing <laughs> in the mud. Well, he did that to all yep. to the NBA Finals, right, with that crew. And, so and that that part of it makes me a little bit sad on the one hand yeah. because I feel I was a defensive player when I played. Mm-hmm. I took a lot of pride in my defense. And that shift in the way that the league has gone, I get it, and it makes sense. But that, again, is one of those things. That's for casual fans. That's not for, like, basketball purists because there's nothing better than somebody scoring off of really a well-contested shot rather than just scoring because... The gratification of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll feel better now because the last couple of years it has shifted the other way and and there is a a focus on... uh, it really is. It, I know you guys might laugh, but it's traveling first. If you look at the data, they are calling traveling more. Uh, yep. And and uh, it, people getting away with that that first step, you know, that one yeah. where they don't yeah, fall. That the quick first, first step that yeah, they don't I mean, If you can just play lacrosse out here, I mean, we're going, you know, it's all good, right? But <laughs> that, obvious, that obvious LeBron walk, he dribbled uh, and he walked. <laughs> oh, yep, that <laughs> was good. Right in front of the Sell so you ain't gonna get me to talk bad about LeBron James. <laughs> I talk bad about LeBron. Yeah, he travels yeah. all the time. And gets- see, he's got a personal care. connection. You can you say know how much want. money that man made me. Good. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> you got to LeBron a ring. Can come back right now. Right now. <laughs> LeBron is two texts away from contacting Jason. He's just got to call up D Wade. And then there's going to be a way for it. No, we gotta we gotta make sure we're looking out for Jason here. We don't want LeBron on him. I got so many bills, Taylor. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, keep an eye on that that officiating. It's shifted uh, a couple years, and it's a nuanced thing that you just wouldn't see in a regular game. By the way, uh, Jay, you, you get into this this purist thing. Uh, you you basketball purists are gonna you, you'll 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 drive us into bankruptcy. Okay, so we need all these casual <laughs> fans to show up. Okay, because this is. I totally, I totally get that. Multi, multi, (laughs) multi billion dollar business. Uh And I keep it that way. (laughs) Trust me, I totally get the business side of it. I can, I can appreciate both points of view. They're just things that I miss. Smart basketball people. (laughs) I do. I miss it too. I miss the defensive side of, of the NBA. Do you though? Really? Like I do. <laughs> I do. I personally do. I'll take yeah. moments. Like I'll take defensive stops within a run. But come on, like really, you you hate a game with 141 points in it. You're like, I oh do. my god, Blah. I do. I oh do. What if it's like a yeah. double OT game and it hits that 141? That's different. That's 10 extra minutes. I love the ball going through the. You know what I? You know what I hear when the ball goes through the net? Schwackums. That's the sound. <laughs> I hear when the net snaps. Oh, snaps that leather the right way. Don't get me wrong. I love that sound, too. String music is the best. But I like them to have to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just lazy, lazy defense. It can. You know what? Um, Byron Scott said this to me once. Name drop. Uh, (laughs) You have to spend so much time coaching the AAU out of players. Oh god. That right. you barely spend any time on 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 defense. They're doing so many things wrong and selfishly offensively. Right. But they come into the game, it can take over practices and and if you have a really young team, then you're absolutely that's belabored true. by it. Yeah. You know, you're that's all you're dealing with. Uh we're very fortunate in the heat culture that defense is the way you get on the floor. Like you can't 
play for Same Eric Folstra if you yep. cannot defend. Yep. And, it, yep. and, it, and it's gotten better in the sense of it has to be defend within yourself. You may just not have, you know, super quick feet, you know, or you may not have uh, a skill set that's best suited for lockdown, tenacious defense. But everybody can defend within the system. Yeah. Everybody can go and follow a guy uh, if he's off, you know, going to blitz, as they call in our terminology. But if you're just going to double team, you know, really far away uh, as a big on the ball carrier, you got to trust that somebody's covering your space. And, and trust that you be evaluated properly and won't get chewed because you're not, you know, getting back. Right. Because uh, that's a, there's a no man's land to that, that you have to trust your teammates on. So I, I think, um, you know, maybe just, you know, Jade, it's a, an affiliation change. Maybe you should be a Heat fan and you'll, you know, get hey, more. Right? Yeah. The Raptors are a defensive team first, too. That's why my Uh-oh. favorite teams are Raptors. There we go. Raptors. There we go. All right, champ. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm get you over my side. I guess that ain't happening. Well, speaking of uh, exciting, like the play style, how about exciting of the flat, the fashion of today? Um Penny, since you're such a 90s fan, thinking about what players are wearing before the game's going then to what they're doing now, did you see something? And keep in mind, David Stern put in a dress code in 2001-ish, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So did you think Stern was going to ha- see the the style change like that of like Russell Westbrook wearing a perfectly square sweatshirt with skinny jeans and then cowboy boots on like how does that fit in on not being a violation of the co- oh the i don't co- think he ever ever in his life will ever see that coming he saw a slight change with big suits you know big jeans those are big suits yeah those are those are hilarious with the shoulder pads for yep. days and but, all the buttons yep and definitely the fashion got better got him better but I don't think he saw what Westbrook is wearing now. That's when just... You, yeah, when you think back to the mid to late 90s, and I'm not going to blame Allen Iverson, but yeah, we're going to oh, blame I, Allen I, Iverson. I didn't want right? to go there. I didn't oh, want to go there. the Allen Iverson right? documentary. They pretty much were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but I've had so many people's respect because he represented kind of the hip-hop culture right. within culture in the on. NBA and other guys had the same origin and what have you, but he was yeah. the star that rep- that owned that. And even cool. guys in that class of 96 started to move away from, you know, kind of a clean button up look to have a little bit more of a, and I'll say specifically West coast hip hop look, which is crazy because he's from Newport news, Virginia. So right. it was, it, it was an interesting just kind of amalgamation of, of the culture look at that time. And it had gotten sideways. I'm going to sit here and tell you, as a professional covering the league, it looked unprofessional. And one thing about being a professional athlete, you I think you got to change. You don't understand how much you are a steward of your game until you become a pro. And you're serious about being a pro because what you start seeing is yourself on ballparks, in gyms, all over the country. And right. Iverson captured everyone's imagination because he wasn't larger than life. 5'10". For real, 5'10". I'm taller than him. Wow. I'm taller than him. And 
rocked Michael Jordan to sleep twice, right? Rocked Mm -hmm. him to sleep, right? Now, Mike had been away playing baseball for a little while, but if you're going to come back and put the jersey on, and he hits you with the pat-pat, (laughs) pat-pat. So what he had become to represent was almost a counterculture within the culture. And what David Stern was concerned of, that he actually ushered the league from before, is we have a league that is predominantly black. Not just predominantly black, but male black. And that can be threatening for Madison Avenue. That can be threatening for the casual fan. Jay, you were talking about earlier. Uh, because they just don't, they don't experience that. That the typical white family that can afford right, four tickets right. and go to a game, uh, it, it, it just, it was... It wasn't a part of the marketing plan. Yeah. And the residual effect immediately after the pushback was glorious. Like while the suits were big, they were still suits. Yeah. And then guys started competing in that space. Uh, Commissioner Silver has a little bit more elasticity in that space. Yeah. And if you start looking at the rules, they're still fitting designer jeans. Okay. All right. The, the designer jeans just have holes in them now. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and you can roll in the arena differently than you have to sit on the bench. If you sit on the bench, you have to have a jacket on, the whole bet. That stuff, none of that's changed. You got more guys staying in the back when they're not playing on nights that they're, you know, that wasn't necessarily planned. Right. But okay. um, but it was a it was it was a tough time to to land on the side of establishment in that place. But five billion dollars later. You yep. see, it's worth what it. Vision was it was that. Listen, he's a champion. Uh, the, the departed uh, Commissioner Stern, uh, a champion of equality, champion of fairness. Yep. Uh, but when you're running a business like that, knowing full well the importance of marketing sponsorship dollars and how sometimes you need to hit the middle of the road on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a few players, a handful of players over my time have been able to get outside of the box of the other 450 players and be prominent spokespersons for, for products. Um, if that's not important to you, cool. Let it be. You go to pay the fine. You know, the old Derek Coleman <laughs> rule. Larry Brown was the head coach of the Nets. Derek Coleman uh, was told, wait, wait, there's a, there's a dress code? He's like, yeah, yeah, you got to wear a tie. He said, what's the fine? And he told him the fine, and Derek Coleman wrote a check for the whole year. Oh my god, that's crazy. You know what? Why not? That's such a baller move right there. Oh, you're gonna find me this much this year? Yeah, but times eight time. I got it up front for you. Yeah, no doubt. The interesting thing to me about the dress code is I think it trickled down to the players in ways that, while at the time it might have felt a bit stuffy, I think they benefited some of them, have benefited from it in ways they wouldn't possibly have thought of because how many players had their own clothing lines right it created an awareness of an opportunity that they could take advantage of of let me brand let me really brand myself and that just created more money for the players even though I'm the pushback at the time I get it but those that were outside of the box thinking enough there was an opportunity there that I think a lot of them have taken advantage of it felt super oppressive at the time. It really yeah. felt heavy-handed, yeah. old white men telling young black men how to dress. It was sensitive. I think Commissioner Stern was aware of it, but but I, I don't disagree with the results, and I don't disagree with uh, there comes a point where you got to be a pro, yeah. that you lay yeah. down childish things, and as an adult, while you want to have some creativity, you're playing in an association. Uh, there are other places to play. 
You can wear whatever you want down to the Y, right? <laughs> right? You can go ask the Spanish League what you can wear, right? Yeah, when they're Play making that much money, it doesn't really seem like that much to ask, yeah. right? Like, anytime you have a job where you make money, there are things that come with it. That we all have to deal with. You, you, you would See, I, so I try to fight that the money <laughs> doesn't take away your humanity. Like, you're still a human and you're fallible and... Yeah. These guys are superhuman and they wear pajamas and they run around on hardwood. So we all kind of lose any sense of their regularity, right? right. That that, yeah. they're, that they are fathers or they are sons and that there are dynamics in their lives that may pull them away from the floor. People flipped out when Dwayne went on paternity leave. They flipped out when yeah, went on like, No, it's beautiful. Like we're advancing. We're advancing our thinking about at the birth or the arrival of a child, why aren't both parents there? Yeah. Yes. Or why why can't mom split and do what she needs to do after her body gets together and dad hang around? That's yeah. what happened with me. Yeah. God bless mom, you. It's the best, mom right? Comes back to work. Dad watched <laughs> me growing up. There it is, man. I got forced into it. I was I was I didn't have a job, so I sat around <laughs> with my second <laughs> child for a year, and because of it, it just it listen, it's a different relationship. But it's eternal. I feel like he's been a child for 28 years. Like it's just it's it's a longer, thicker, uh, and that that's an indictment on my relationship with my oldest son because I think it's wonderful, but it's different because of those early days together yeah. Yeah. with the diapers and the crying and the food and the whatnot. Oh my God, when's Mama coming home? Where's she at? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was daddy's little boy with it, so we never had to worry about that. I could always go to him. I got that. I love it. Um, but uh, switching over some gears to it, so talk about the style, fashion, which is always fun and funny, considering what's what they wear. Um, go to a little bit of a serious thing. So we're talking about the social issues with it. Mm. Um, a lot of players, like I said before, taking it in their own hands to point out some issues that are going on in the world today that need to be more focused upon um, are some players that I think are LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, Chris Paul. They did their stuff. But back in the day, I mean, this is just since I'm only 27, only player I can really think of of being that social justice warrior would have been like Bill Russell, early Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, because they were there for the civil rights movement and everything like that. Yeah, you're on point. But, yep. I'm thinking of like say players like Charles Barkley when he was in his prime he had his motto with Reebok I am not a role model. So what is the difference Jade of the mentality of say players right here uh, players nowadays voicing their opinions out more compared to in the 90s or something like that where it was more just my mind's in basketball. Yeah, I think um Part of it is touch on the point Jason made about how collectively as fans, we take away some of their humanity. Um, I've always been very much on the other side of that argument. And when people are like, oh, they shouldn't talk, I'm the first one to be like, you need to shut up because you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. But they're people too. They deal with all the same stuff that everybody else deals with, right? Being the challenges of being a black man in the United States. The, that's most that's a huge portion of the league so why shouldn't they be talking about it just because right. we pay them to play basketball like it's their fault that we pay them millions of dollars to play <laughs> basketball 
I don't understand people's indignation over the fact that they feel that they have a right to have opinions about social issues because of course they do. Um, is it, uh, Jason, is it more important today for the players to get involved with things that are going on or back, back in the days of the 80s, 70s, 60s and stuff where would you say today it's more necessary or back then it was something more at need? Well, back then it was far more impactful. The, the issues that we were dealing with, we're not dealing with much different in the sense of the things that flare up. Um, mm -hmm. Things are a little more covert, you know? And so there was something to be said about stuff just kind of being out in your face and being able to call it out and saying yep. what it is. Uh, now it's a hell of a lot easier, right? So why wouldn't right. you, you know? Um, to be able to frame your message the way you want to frame it on YouTube, Instagram, um, Twitter, what have you, I think is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, I still want people to step up to my microphone and let me know what's on their mind. But the fact that players can do it, Players Tribune, another place, if you like the written word, oh, yeah. uh, where the editing is at their disposal. And so... We're in a space right now. Now I got to preach for a second. We're in a space right now where we have to crush the normality of indignation. We have to crush the normality of saying whatever's on top of your mind. We have to crush the normality that's in place, radiating from our highest levels of leadership, that you can misrepresent things and try to make it the truth. Mm -hmm. And so to have guys that have their own flamethrowers, right, their own message streams that they can get out there and impact people mm -hmm. with how to uplift communities through education, health, focus, and welfare. When we get on the other side of this virus, we have a dedication, a, a responsibility that hopefully turns into a dedication within the African-American community to deal with with the massive gap of health disparity as it's, uh, that's happening in the sense of, uh, of education, um, awareness, on top of fighting these diseases that are just impacting mm -hmm. our community at a level that is far more devastating than we can even imagine and is connecting to deaths and the percentage rates of that with this particular virus. Uh, the predisposition that comes from diabetes, obesity, uh, imbalanced diet is devastating and real and can be eradicated in our space mm -hmm. with just a little bit of attention. And so the fact that this is a direct community issue, uh, a direct culture issue, uh, I think that we're going to hear a, a great deal of that message coming out from our league's players because of their commitment to physical fitness with their body being their business. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the preach session right there. I, I tried to wrap it up. I didn't want to collect any money, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> charge y'all for my insight. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we get that social issue there. Um, Jason, um, we got to, fans are going to be wondering for sure. We got to talk about the Miami Heat Big Three. You okay. were there the entire time. I know you probably get all these questions all the time. Okay. But That's what I'm here for. Fans want to mm -hmm. know. Okay, so 
looking through highlights of you dealing with the photo bombs of those guys. <laughs> How did you anticipate those? Because I know it wasn't every game, but like, say you're interviewing Dwayne Wade, you know there's like a 60% chance that Chris Bosch is just going to stand right in front of the camera and look Those were the best. So like, how would you in your head at like prepare yourself to be like, okay, someone's going to be pouring water on someone or someone's going to walk right in front of me in the interview? Two things had to always be at play. Number one, peripheral vision. That, that is, that, that was... <laughs> My, my greatest head on asset a, head on a swivel. being perfectly aware of at least 290 degrees of my circle. You know, we call it we call it the winner's circle, winner circle. after the game, yeah. uh, in line with you know the champions of horse races, and uh, the circle would sometimes have a cartwheel in it or a wheelbarrow or <laughs> oh, the wheel video barrel. bosh yeah. or. Uh, or guys taking over the microphone. There was one night Dwayne was injured in this. She's wearing this beautiful white suit. Oh, it's glorious. Uh, yep. I and remember that over one. the entire interview, and he's interviewing LeBron, which leads me to my second point. Um, and Chris Bosch drapes a towel between them and ends up doing it. A little karate chop. Yeah. <laughs> it's the traditional Japanese bow and, and heads out. Uh, get out of the way. That was get my other thing in my head. Get that all. <laughs> happened there was one night Dwayne and LeBron are injured Dwayne wearing these tight leather pants in Portland Oregon oh was and it Chris Bosch made the three-pointer to win he it made uh, the three to win on I the road in Portland and during the interview they start doing this is for your older uh, listeners they start doing the James Brown cape move okay so James Brown when he would have a show He'd act like he had just had too much. He can't do anymore. And one of his stage hands would come and put this cape on him. And then he'd, ah, he'd jump back. I got that feeling. And he'd get back up and do another half hour of a show. So they tried to put the cape. They put the cape on Bosch. And he walked it out like he was James Brown. Then blew it up. It was phenomenal, man. And that was going to take a minute. And I was going to have to do play-by-play on what was happening. Because I had to be under the assumption not everybody knew about the Kate gag from James Brown shows. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, I hope everyone knows. Yeah, put the, I remember screaming, <laughs> put the cape on him. Like I'm screaming it like I'm crying. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. What a night. What a night. And then, so out of those three, mm-hmm. who was the most entertaining to interview with? Chris Bosch. Hands yeah, down. I was going to say down. that. Hands has down. to be Chris Bosch. He's my favorite interview of any athlete I've ever interviewed in my 30 years in broadcasting. And I'll tell you why. And it's, again, not crushing Dwayne and LeBron. They're awesome, thoughtful veterans who knew the game each night at a high level and were great getting you ready and great with reaction. So there was a next level with Chris where he was really listening to your question. Like, you needed to come with a Serious thought. And if your thought wasn't cohesive or connected, because sometimes we can ask questions that aren't really questions. They're just statements that you're hopefully leading your mm-hmm. subject to. And Dwayne what I do. Were key. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were key monsters in that play. Almost like drop a quarter in the jukebox and they'll play the hit for you, right? Whereas Chris was looking for an exchange. That he was thoughtful and original in every response even when the same question was being asked. I marveled at it. Loved it. Love him for it. Oh, I loved his voice. 
he did some work during the Raptors run on the broadcasts last year. I listened to him talk forever. So unique. He has a great pacing. Yeah. Quirky as all get out. Yeah. Uh, but fun and funny and super knowledgeable about this game. He's he's television gold. I don't know what he's waiting oh, yeah. for. I was about to say, is he one of the next new NBA broadcasters that we should be looking out for? I'd love it. I don't know if he's ready. You know, guys realize, like, let me just take some time not to, like, to be around it for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then they miss it. And then they can find a way in. And it's, you know, obviously for the guys who don't want to be in front offices or coaching. Uh, What you'll find with Chris is he would then have to try to find the equilibrium between deep dive into basketball right in front of us and being super smart and entertaining. And so uh, I think he'd find it. But initially, we'll probably get one – or the other too much, and then he'd he'd find his way. I'd love to have him. Love to have him. Okay. Because he's going to be expensive. So. Yeah. I do. Jason, Jason, I do miss Coach Tony. Oh, yeah. As I an bet. analyst. I bet. No, it's Tony had become uh, like our favorite uncle who would say anything, and you couldn't wait to get around <laughs> him because you had no idea if he was going to cuss in front of your grandmama, right? Yeah. Like, you're just yeah. like... <laughs> Yeah, man, Tony was such a great coach. Like just a gr- like the, we called him the coach because, man, he would he would coach crossword puzzles. Man, like it would, like it didn't matter what we were doing. Like he is a life coach. So good to my sons, man. Like when I think about somebody, when I'm done with this career, I think I'll do this for about thirty years, and and then you know quit bothering. Thirty y'all. more, thirty more. Yeah, years. yeah, it ain't gonna be that. I'm, <laughs> I'm saving this money to spend it. Uh, so, uh but. I'm going to remember Tony most, and I'm not writing his eulogy or anything. I'm just talking about when I look back right. on my career, or how authentic he was to the Heat family uh, moniker. We say it a great deal, and it comes down from the Arison family that has owned uh, this franchise for three generations, and the, the Rileys embody it and uplift it as well, and Eric Spolster is a great uh, spokesperson for it as he's become a family man himself in the last three years. And there are times in your life, we talked about, you know, the players being regular, but I've had a parent pass away. Uh, I've had grandparents uh, pass away. Um, You have your own, you know, personal illness stuff or personal stuff you got to deal with. And this organization has never missed a beat in those spaces. Every work place becomes work every boss gets on your nerves but when rubber has hit the road and i've needed that organization to be more than it needed to be for me Mm -hmm. been there every single time and tony embodied it by always being there to be inclusive with my sons always making sure they they were at camp my oldest son worked for him when he was 18 i worked for him i worked for him at the heat camp so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And listen, Tony will wear you out with a story, but in that story is something that you need. Like you need some part of that story. He was a high school teacher. Yeah. Okay. And, and a great baseball coach in the greater New York area, as well as one of the great co- basketball coaches ever. Uh, and then got this great opportunity with Ron Rothstein uh, as two former New York area high school coaches yeah. come together uh, with the Heat. And Tony was smart, man. He never left. Ron tried to run around, but Coach was like, I ain't never leaving this place, boy. Yeah. And um, always making our mothers feel inclusive. I think my mother has a crush on him, matter of fact. 
know my wife's mother does, so it's it's nuts, boy. They love Tony. Tony got that Italiano slick, boy. He yep, put it on. He does. He All sure does. Sudden, like, hey, mom, mom. Hey, 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 hey. Get your eyes. <laughs> eyes up here, lady. Eyes up here. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite dudes ever. Yeah, I miss him. All right. So one last question. So the big three had those that four four year title run. What was what was it like witnessing firsthand of LeBron winning his first one, Chris Bosh winning his first one? Just what was it like just being there for every moment of their amazing run? As I noted earlier, financially lucrative. That's how it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I can't even appear. We made so much money. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was it was just glorious how many games we played. Uh, we played, in the end, 81 playoff games in those four years. So we literally paid, got paid for, and played another season in those, in those four years. Uh, but let's get out of my pocket for a second. It was The money's <laughs> nice, but let's uh, what was really, really strong was every single night watching a group that made them boo, make them say ooh, and then ah. I saw a post <laughs> on Facebook from the member saying, I got admit, I love watching the Miami Heat. It was from 2012. I was like, I love watching this team. I come together, ah. but I love yeah. watching them. Chris Bosch has always been a favorite player of mine, so yeah, he was. He's hard not to for, but I, but yeah, for whatever he's... reason, people have this high level of disdain for LeBron and his greatness. I don't know—is it because we met him so young, or what? But he met—he fit the bill, like cool, like chosen ones a lot, right? And yeah, tenth grade. And I, is that what that that Sports Illustrated cover said yep. back in? I think it was two thousand one, two thousand two. He was a sophomore, junior in high school in Akron. The chosen one. What? Yo. Are you kidding me? What the hell? How many and times has someone been... said they called that? That's... And lived up to it. And lived up to it. I wrote an article about that a few months back about yeah. how ESPN was televising his games in high school, and the first ESPN broadcast had all the greats on, on the opening credits. Right, right for this high school kid playing, but then he showed out like he scored. I can't remember how many 21 or 31 points in that game. And then every single thing he's done along the way has been in line with that. And like, that just never happens. And he's not my favorite player. I don't Mm -hmm. love his basketball persona, but I can feel that way and still be like, he he's done things that, who else has been able to do what he's done? Uh, if he if he does this thing right and, and gets this title in Los Angeles for a third franchise, good night. Yep. Yeah. He's in Los Angeles for Space Jam Two. We've discussed this in other. That's why he showed up. But if he by accident he trips into Lakers another in title, Space Jam Two. But that's the thing with LeBron. That was the premise of that article was that if we think back on his career, there was no place for him to end up but L.A. with the Lakers. Because like, he always, he's always had this flair for the dramatic. Like, he turned free agency 
into an event like no player has ever done before. And it's changed free agency for everybody ever since then. Yeah. Right. Hollywood was the only place for LeBron to end up. I feel like you don't mean that in a nice way, but you're making it sound. (laughs) (laughs) Probably none. There might be something to that. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, no, it it was like being, I can only imagine if I could talk to someone who traveled with the Stones or traveled with the Beatles in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It was like that. That night in Cleveland, and I didn't go. I wasn't there. It was a Turner-only game, and it was one game uh, road trip when the team back in December of 2010 went back to Cleveland for the very first time when LeBron was a member of the Miami Heat. And I didn't recognize those fans. I didn't recognize that feeling, that anger, that vitriol. I, I spent 10 winters in that town as a child. I, I felt like I knew what that fan base was about. That was disgusting. Like to have that level of just vile reaction to someone because they play wow. somewhere else. Like yep. it's, it's just, just too much, man. But that speaks about his power on you. We didn't love it when he left here. We didn't get ignorant, you know? Yeah, we didn't get ignorant at all. We didn't get ignorant, but who hate? I mean, like, I just bask myself in the memory of what we just experienced, you know? Right. That's what um, you got to realize, yeah. That's it. Like, you in real life. greatness like, for a couple of years, you got to be lucky with it. Man, if I gave you a half of one of those seasons in the land of lakes, you take that thing, you swim in at least 5,000 and 10,000 lakes, wouldn't you? <laughs> just for a half yeah. of one of those seasons. Oh, yeah. I'll take a 41-win season. That's all I need. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me 50%, and then I'm good. I just want that. I I know we're wrapping up, but I look forward to your ball club. First of all, I love your head coach because I love this daddy. Like, love this daddy. I went to his basketball camp, and he said he witnessed me playing one day, and I was like, what? I did a Jamal nice Hyde. drop step up and under move, and he witnessed it. Yeah. And he told me when he was signing a basketball and a jersey, he's like, "You were the guy that did the up and under the other day, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he yeah. goes, I "Really like that move. That was really clean." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Thirteen-year-old yeah. Taylor was freaking out. He's uh, from Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Go look where that is. Oh uh, yeah, because that is also in Northeast Ohio. LeBron James, yours truly, Flip Saunders. Come on. Connect the dots. Can you feel the love? Oh, yeah. I know. I've done a full uh, – one of the other sites I used to write for, I did a full article on Flip Saunders because then he played at the U, and then he then he coached at a junior college in the Twin Cities, and then he ended up uh, in another college in Minnesota, and then he got the Timberwolves gig. Hold on one second. I have to tell – hey, honey, the folks in Minnesota call their, their university the U as well. That's hilarious. That's phenomenal. My wife works at the U. The U, the Miami. The U, the University of Miami. Yeah, put it up on him. Yeah, yeah. He said the U. I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, Flip went to Minnesota, and I'm saying in my head, oh, that's what they call the (laughs) University of Minnesota up there. Yeah, like it was a process in my mind while you're telling the story. He played with Kevin McHale and Michael Thompson, like. Yeah, we were good. She over here screaming in the background. There's only one you. There's only one you. She's right. <laughs> She's right. It's great. The beat of Miami Hurricane. It's great. Yeah, they yeah. they got the chance, kid. Yeah. Hey guys, I really appreciate it. this. Was fun. This was fun. You guys have me back sometime. Of course. Uh, yeah. Okay. So just one more thing. We have this thing called fast break at the end, Jason. Which is okay. Cool. I'm not gonna questions. Run. Yeah. We just mm-hmm. fire them off. Um, cool. Uh. So, actually, 
Jade, quick plug for the all-star voting for the ERSCA iRacing yes. League. So Belly Up is big involved in an iRacing League, the ERSCA. Um, the all-star race is going to be in May. The all-star voting is live. So head over to the Belly Up bellyupsports.com you can vote there are five, four brackets vote for your favorite uh racers and uh hardcore honeys is one of the sponsors for that race so make sure you get your votes in voting lasts until may 10th okay and if you ain't rubbing you ain't racing let's yeah. go <laughs> create some pain up in that oh, third turn let's go okay so starting off with the fast break Start with you, Jason. So we're also taking all team bias out of the picture. This is just you being strictly oh. fan. Favorite team over the past ten years? The past ten years. I've been employed by the Miami Heat. Or <laughs> take out Miami Heat. Think about any How of the can I? Three titles. Like I guess I can't. The two titles in the last ten. If it's not the Heat, you want me to take the Heat out? Then it would be the Warriors. It would be. The Warriors I, I just didn't this, this enjoy them fulfilling what Mark Jackson was already telling us. And he did not get a chance to see to fruition. He was letting us know. And we all looked at him like he was crazy. That yeah. we were looking at two of the greatest shooters of, not, not two of them, the two greatest shooters of all time. And they're proving that they may very well be one and two when it's all done. Mm -hmm. uh, Jade, your favorite team of the past 10 years? Since I can't choose the Raptors, mine yeah. is the Warriors too. I, Warriors I love Steph Curry. Love him. Penny, what's your favorite I don't even team? know what to say. Besides the heat, that, right. that's a hard one. It's called, it's called abstain. I abstain, Your Honor. <laughs> so I think we got, I think we got three Warriors right now because I've been a Warriors fan since 0506. Corey Maggette, all of them there too. Um, so I go Warriors with it. All right, second question, Jade. Favorite team from uh, 2009 and earlier? Anywhere earlier? Anywhere earlier. Bad boys. Bad boys. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jason, what's yours? Oh, I'm Showtime Lakers. That's Showtime that's how I Lakers? grew up loving this game. Yeah. All right, and Penny. I have to say the Pacers, Indiana Pacers. Pacers. Yeah. Okay, good choice. Um, and the last one, who would win between your two favorite teams or two favorite franchises of that? Uh, Penny, who would win? Your Miami Heat or your or those Pacers? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, my God. Yeah, you I thought that was through, didn't you? Ooh. You thought this through, Taylor. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm going to have to I, go. I had to, go through, I had to go through a couple ideas. I had to scrap through a couple ideas for this one. I'm going to have to say the Pacers because they were Pacers. aggressive. They were very aggressive early on. You heard my that, that, that was hard. That was a tough one. Jade, who would win for you? Warriors or the Pistons, two polar opposites. I know, that's what I was trying to think it through. It's hard because there's no way that Warriors team could match up with the Pistons' physicality, but the Warriors would shoot lights out. They don't even. They wouldn't even have to play down low against the Pistons. No, not I really. Think I, would, I think I give it to the Warriors. Give it to the Warriors. Oh, yeah. And Jason, since you are our guest for the week. Who would you have, Lakers or the Warriors? I'm going to take Showtime Lakers. Showtime and Lakers? I, and, and I'm going to lose. I'm fine with that, right? 
because I recently watched some old video of those 80s Lakers, and I thought, oh, my God, ain't no team can run with my crew. They look like they're running in molasses. I was a child, and they were just moving <laughs> faster than the teams they were playing. But the Yo. pace and speed at which these teams go with now, I think Magic would come on here and tell you, like, they would just have to throw the ball into Kareem all night, and he'd have to dunk and get and ones and hope that he scored, you know, uh, 110 points. Like, just right. because these guys and their ability – to light up the scoreboard is unprecedented. Okay, there we go. You got like props for that question, Taylor. That was well done. Yeah. That was a good <laughs> one. Wow. I can't believe I picked the Pacers over the heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's throw up you taste in your own mouth, by the way. I want you to know. <laughs> Terrible. So thanks Ooh. so much for coming, Jason. Got anything to plug before we... Call it a night. Hey, listen on, uh, well, it's going to change, but I've been playing this game we play with our players. We call it Hot Seconds with Jax. And we oh, play yeah. it on Instagram on nights where the Heat wouldn't have had games. Well, the, the season is coming to a close. Um, so just follow me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Heat Host, shockingly. And uh, we <laughs> play. It's probably going to be one night a week. I haven't decided which night, but we're going to play on this coming Wednesday, which as we tape this will be the 15th of April. And it's a fun, free stuff experience. So you come, you answer questions, the clock is ticking. It drives you nuts. People think they get really cocky. They don't know that 24-second clock will get you, boy. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> Hot seconds with Jax. Come and play. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's always don't fun to see. that, listeners. Hot seconds with Jax. Okay, well... Fun time this week talking about the history, changing back and forth. Um, unless Jaden Penny, you got anything to say? I think we're gonna do a, a wrap up for today. Just thank you, Jackson, for coming. Yeah, coming on thanks board. Thanks for coming on. That was awesome. Promise. Yo, Promise I could come today. back. That's awesome. Okay. Well, see you guys later, hardcore hunting listeners. 